You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. To all my corporate quitters and wannabe corporate quitters, if you're loving the podcast and looking for more easily digestible BS-free resources like the Quitter Starter Pack or How to Go Viral Guide, be sure to check out our website, corporatequitter.com, and our Instagram at thecorporatequitter, where we spill all the deets on the daily, helping you get one step closer to just doing the damn thing. Now, on to our episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Corporate Quitter. I'm your host, Gabby Ionello, and today's guest I am so freaking excited about because she is such an inspiration. She is like the person that I think all us, especially women entrepreneurs who are listening to this, aspire to be. She's come from the bottom and she's built her way up and she's just an incredible human. She's the CEO for Kasi Lashes. Felicia Fercasi has taken the lash market by storm, providing beauty savvy clients with custom individually curated looks to fit every day or special occasions. She's pioneered the Fercasi brand and created the signature Dash Lash, Million Dollar Lash, and the Vegas Lash. Felicia draws concepts from current trends and possesses the unique ability to forecast, create, and provide the latest lash looks to local and celebrity clients. She and her staff to over 25 have worked behind the scenes at Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week in New York, and in the 2016 Fricasse Lashes was featured in Cosmopolitan Magazine. Felicia has also been featured on the Wendy Williams Show, and in addition to not only building a badass beauty legacy. She's also doing a lot of crazy things that I'm excited for her to actually talk on, which is related to real estate, right? Building that million dollar empire. So thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm just so proud of you for quitting your job. Like, hello, this is the new thing to do. The great resignation. It's funny too, because when we met, I was just starting. So like, I didn't have any credibility, like just starting my podcast, a cute little hobby. And now, but no, I could tell by your determination that you are a go getter. You're a firecracker. You're so you haven't even seen what God's about to do for you. I know. I'm excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> and it's so great that I'm like connected to you guys too because I take you for the ride and stuff. So I know I kind of gave a bit of a background, but give us your full story like the story that you gave me. Like, how did you go from like what you had said of being on welfare, being at the probably the rock bottom to building a multi million dollar empire with your husband and your amazing children? Yeah. So I was born in Long Island. Then my parents split. Long story short, my mom, single mother, having to raise four kids in upstate New York. You already know in New York, two things can happen. You get in trouble or you end up being really successful. My Some of my family members were getting in trouble. My mom was trying to make ends meet. You know, She was also dealing with a lot of sicknesses. And I just started to look around. I said, there is no way in the world I'm going to make it unless I believe in myself and take charge of my life and my career. Because Everyone knew a dollar, ten dollars is just not enough to get you out of poverty. And, you know, I remember being young and having to go to the store with food stamps, looking around, being embarrassed and slipping the lady the ten dollars in food stamps to get the food that we needed. But I knew that there was a day that that was going to change and I was going to be the one to make that change. You know, I, I went to college. My parents really didn't trip out if I went or not. They were just like, oh, you know, get through high school. And it wasn't like a pressure on me, but I knew that I had to take charge of my life barely past high school because I was just not feeling, there was so much going on with my brother. My brother was in and out of jail. Like there was so much going on in our family. And I was like, okay, so let me take this next step and just take my life to the next level. And I remember I went to school for broadcasting and journalism. Long story short, my professor was mad at me because the day I was supposed to graduate, I took an interview for Verizon Wireless. And she's like, why are you not going to the TV station? Why are you not going to be a news anchor? That's what you went through college for. I said, the news anchors are only making $8 an hour, $9 an hour. Verizon Wireless is paying at $15, $20. She's like, oh. I'm like, yes. So I had to start somewhere. So I started working my way up the corporate ladder, worked at Verizon Wireless corporate in their office, you know, running the whole operations and kind of just really learning how to eventually run my own business. A lot of times, when you're in the corporate setting, there's so much you can learn. And I always tell people that you can learn so much because when it's your time to run your own business, you're going to need to remember all those things in corporate. Now you have to be up really. You have to be responsible. You're in charge of the ship yourself. So I ended up leaving my corporate job because I was miserable there. I was like, okay, I've made it to the top. I've promoted myself. I bought my home. After that, I was like, okay, I'm bored. This is not me. This is. I knew I had to get back to who I was, but I, I had to just do what paid the most at the time to survive. And at that point in time, I just, I plotted and planned and I said, let me go to school. And I literally went to school and I knew I wanted to be in the beauty field. 
it was so funny because at my job, everybody already thought I had like some beauty business on the side because I was always going there looking all fashionable. I had so many clients that were coming to my house when I started my little business inside my house. They were coming to the house. They were they were like, oh yeah, we're going to go to Felicia's and get our lashes done. And so the word spread at corporate that I was doing lashes outside my house. And back then it was real early. It just started and everybody was coming to my house. And I looked at the money. I said, wait a minute, I'm making more money in a weekend than I'm making in a whole month at my corporate job. I said, let me do this for another few months because you know you got to be safe because I had a family. I said, let me make sure this is working out. And I started keeping track of all the money. I said, wait a minute, I can actually quit my job. And that's when I knew that I had something. So I literally, on faith, just up and I quit my job. I quit my corporate job. But when I did it, I was smooth about it. And I always tell people, if you're going to quit your job, have it planned out to the T. You know, you really want to plan it out because those same people that were at my job that we worked together with, they became my clients. People are cool with you starting a business nowadays. They want to support you. So I waited a little bit, a while to build up my clientele at the corporate job just to get the clients. And from there, I started booming. And then people in the city started hearing about me. Then I went on the radio and and the radio blew me up. And then next thing I was doing celebrities. Before I knew it, I had one store. It was too small. There was too many people lined up. Then I had to open up another store and the rest is history. And we opened up tons of stores. And it just boomed from there. It just is so amazing to see how when you're really motivated, it wasn't just luck either. I want to be clear on that. It wasn't luck. It was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of sleepless nights. And it was a lot of sacrificing in the beginning. And I was a mom. I had just had one baby. And I just knew, I said, I got to provide better for this child. You know, I was a mother doing this, which is scary when you're a mom, because you know what they tell you, have the baby and stay at home. And I wasn't, I was up working. So it was really hard in the beginning, but all the sacrifices that I made, made me millions. I like that you brought up the luck factor because everyone, like even for my own story, everyone's like, oh, it must be nice. Like you're so lucky. And I'm like, you have no idea what goes on behind the scenes in order for these things to happen. And I'm sure the same thing with you. Like, you know, even I want to ask you two further because you had kids. It's not like me. Like I didn't have children. I didn't have a mortgage. Like it was really easy for me to leave and start this, right? Because no one was depending on me. How can someone, especially women with kids, like women entrepreneurs, get over the fear of leaving their jobs and creating their own empire when it's not only themselves they have to worry about, but a spouse? children, maybe even like grandparents? Yes. And that is a great, great question. I remember I was in a panel in New York City with a lot of high-end entrepreneurs, a lot of celebrity entrepreneurs, and a lot of women were given advice saying, you know, okay, well, you want to start your business, just quit your job, quit your job. And I was the only person that was like, no, you got to have planned this out. I only disagree with some people on just up and quitting because I still quit, but I planned it out. I was plotting and planning. You know, I'm from New York. We got to plot and plan, honey. We got to plan this out step oh, by step. Oh, expensive too. <laughs> like, exactly. We you know. can't just be out here looking crazy, you know, especially with a family. You don't want to say, oh, I hope this works and jump off the cliff. No, you got to have the parachute ready. You got to have the backup plan ready, the second parachute. The trick for me and for anyone else that wants to do this is what you do is you still work your day job by day. There's no TV after you get out of work. There's your business you need to work on by night. So by day, you're still making your money. And by night and on the weekends and any free time that you have, there's no going out to the club. I didn't get my nails done. I didn't get my hair done. Thank you. Literally, thank you. Because everyone's like, oh, well, I don't have time. And then they spend four hours on TikTok. I'm like, you don't give a shit then. You have to do what you have to do. Like, get your ass up. Right. Like, you have to be in survival mode. Like, if this doesn't work, I'm F-U-C-K-E-D. I'm messed up, you know? And so I literally remember I would go at six o'clock into work. I would drive home by three, sometimes five. From five all the way into midnight, I would be up working on the business plan. I would be up planning it out. I'd be up trying to figure out how to make a business card because, you know, I didn't really know how to do that back then, you know? And you had kids. Yeah, and I had kids. I had to make sure they were fed and everything. But I was literally up working nonstop on the business to the point where I looked crazy. I remember... One time I, it was Saturday night. I didn't even know what day it was. I asked my husband, I said, what day is it? He's like, it's Saturday night. I'm like, oh, it's not Monday. Uh, he was like, no, go to bed. And I just remember laughing because I was just like a zombie. I remember being in a corner in my kid's room after I just got done breastfeeding my son. I put him in the bed and I remember being on my laptop for hours and hours and hours. I would literally check on him look at him in the crib and I would go back to my laptop in the corner because I know if I was around my husband, he would probably interrupt me and want to just hang out and let's go to the park and all this stuff. But I was very serious and aggressive about my career because I, you have to sometimes be selfish about your career. And a lot of women sometimes don't understand that. They think, well, how can I be selfish? I'm the nurturer. I'm the giver. But honey, we're in perilous times. We have to take charge. 
Yeah. It's scary though, because like it's taboo for women to be assertive and be like the breadwinner. It's still new. It's a totally new concept. Right. It's new. And I feel like more women as they come out and we see more things on Instagram, social media, Facebook, women starting their business. And it's also very inspiring. And if you can even just get someone to help you that one day a week, sometimes people don't have a support system. I was in the position where I literally had one person that would come and help me out just one weekend. I would pay them, you know, for five hours. And that five hours I used so productively just to get my focus straight, just to kind of do what I needed to do and just get everything done in that day. And I would still go to church on Sunday. And you know, in the black churches, honey, you're there like all day. (laughs) So we'd be there at 11, get out at three o'clock. And after three o'clock, I do my laundry and start immediately on the business plan. I was passing out business cards at my church. I was passing out business cards through the drive-thru. When I would sit down and eat, it was crazy. I had my husband passing out business cards. We'd go and my brother, thank God, bless him, I didn't have a big budget for staff and for marketing. My brother was like, well, I'll go and help. When all the clubs get out, I'll put your business card on each car. You know, all everybody else, they're shaking their butt at the club all night, you know, getting out two o'clock in the morning, drunk, passed out. They wouldn't even see the card until like the next morning. And my brother was the one passing out the cards and we'd go out there. And one person was like, oh, I thought I seen you at the club. I was like, no, I was there working on the business, putting cards on the cars. And it was so funny because my whole brain had shifted from consumer to a person that is the person providing the service. And that's really how you have to be in this business. You have to almost be borderline crazy to be able to run a business because that drive in you has to be so strong that it pushes past any urge or desire to want to just play and have fun and joke around. You you can still joke around, don't get me wrong, but some people like to go on vacations. They spend a thousand, two thousand on vacation. They like to buy all these fancy things that they don't need, materialistic things. I was like straight up in survival mode, like this business has to work. And that passion and that drive really helped me catapult where I ended up quitting my job. After six months of planning it day and night, I said, I am not coming back to this job. This job had become a burden to me. It'd become like slavery. I'm literally working for pennies compared to what I was making. In the beginning, it was fine. And most people, you know, things like these is fine. But when you begin to grow in your true passion, because I really believe that everyone has a gift that God has given them. Everyone has a gift. You are not born on this earth without a gift, whether it be you can clean real good. That's a gift. Start the cleaning business. Whether you can style something really good, you only have to have one good thing that you can do. It's about capitalizing on the gift. And something I was reading in an interview that Nikola Tesla, you know, he's this great guy. He was so smart. You know, he was able to do a lot of stuff mentally that most people can't do. He just was really gifted. And Elon Musk actually said, the only thing I didn't like about what Tesla did is that he he wasn't a businessman. He didn't know how to capitalize on his gift. And this man, unfortunately, died without really getting the honor that he should have gotten. And that is my worst dream for so many people that are listening now. Don't die with that dream inside of you. Don't die with not being able to really operate and use the gift that God has given you, that talent that you have, whether it be something so small that you may overlook. Well, some people truly love being around children. That's their gift. They can feed the kids. They can make them happy. They play with them. That's like their happy thing where the other person might say, kids are driving me nuts. I don't want to be around any kids all day. But you have to know what your gift is. And from there, start building. What makes you happy that if it wasn't about money? And that's where your true treasure and your entrepreneurship lies in. So how did you discover that beauty was your thing? Like, I know you started to build your clientele, but how did you even get to the place of like lashes and microblading, right? This is my thing, right? Because there's an experimental phase, right? You have to like do some digging and then it all falls into place. But what was that like? That's a great question. So I, at the time, was going back and forth to New York. You know, my dad lived in New York and my mom was in upstate New York. And, you know, as I got older, I started getting more into fashion and beauty. And I remember when I was younger, there was a, a lady, her name was Sandra Hurlbert. And everybody in our school would call this girl a dirtbag. And it made me feel so bad for her because she was kind of pretty, but she just didn't have money. People would say that she had body odors and there was things going on with this girl. But I said, well, the girl's pretty. Let's hook her up. And so me and my friends, we pitched in. I was the ringleader of it. I said, everyone get some deodorant. We're going to get some toothpaste. We're going to give her some little makeup, some little lip gloss. And I remember this girl, after we hooked her up, she was, first of all, she was so grateful of everything we brought her because her parents didn't have a lot of money. She was like living in a really bad environment. Child Protective Services were going to get involved. And we hooked this girl up and did a whole makeover. Her confidence was boosted. Not only was her confidence boosted, I think two weeks to a month later, this girl had a boyfriend. We all didn't even have boyfriends. And she had a boyfriend. (laughs) But her confidence was there. And she had thick, beautiful hair. She had nice tan skin, but she just didn't know how to hook herself up. We all hooked ourselves up, but we still were single because, you know, we were trying to wait for this knight in shining armor. She said, I'll take who I can get. He's cute. I like him. But it was so funny to me because 
that boost in her confidence did so much for her. And it made me realize the power that I have to help other women. And also just coming from a mother who was in an abusive relationship. You know, my mom always allowed us, for some reason, she allowed us always to play with makeup. And I really thank her for that because so many people, when they're younger with their kids, are like, oh, you don't, you can't wear makeup. You know, you're too young. I think I was like 12 wearing like pink lipstick. You know, my mom let me do that. And I really am glad that she did because it allowed me to be able to experiment early on and just be a woman and just be feminine and allow to embrace that femininity. You know, so many people don't, especially... I'm just going to say it. Sometimes in the black culture, the, the black people are like, ah, oh, don't be putting makeup on a child too early. Uh-uh, she's going to be a fast little child. And that really wasn't the case. My mom just let us do what we wanted to do and just experiment. We'd go and buy wet and wild 99 cents makeup and we'd figure out how to make it look really nice. And I've always been drawn to fashion and beauty. So that's really helped what create this empire. And another thing too I want to mention, I've always been attracted to the finer things in life. I remember we'd walk into a place, I want to get the most expensive thing. My mom would say, you got a peanut butter budget and champagne taste. <laughs> or was it the other way I around? I like that. <laughs> She's like, champagne taste on a peanut butter budget. That's what it was. And I would always say, well, what does that mean? I'd want to get the nicest glasses. We were on welfare. She's like, you're going to have to get those glasses over at that shelf. And I'm like, oh, why do I got to do that? And so I just wanted better for myself. I wanted better for my family. I wanted better for me. You have to at some point hit rock bottom to want better sometimes. And I've always just had high standards about my life. And sometimes you have to just visualize yourself there. Even if you're not there yet, you tell yourself you are the bomb. You tell yourself you are this woman that you want to be. I always wanted to be a businesswoman when I was younger. I was obsessed. My aunts would come into town. They were all businesswomen, but my mom, unfortunately, wasn't a businesswoman because she had to raise us all. Raising four kids. I got two kids and I'm really pulling my hair out. Raising four kids, four kids without you know the proper means you know, I even have a nanny that helps me and I still get annoyed with my kids because they're just like annoying. They, you know, they just, kids will be annoying sometimes, even though I love them to death and I Purposely spoil them. Too. Yes. <laughs> they know when you're on the phone, they know when to annoy you, you know, but yeah. So I just always wanted better and I've always wanted the finer things in life. And I always want people to look good and feel good. That's really my true passion. Yeah. So how did you learn about lashes and microblading? Like, did you just like drop into a course in New York or did like someone introduce you to it? Or was it just an emerging market and you're like, ooh, this? Well, yes. At the time I would go to New York. It was early, like 2008, which hadn't even come out yet. And women were like buzzing about lashes, but it was always only in the city. When I came up to upstate, nobody really cared. You know, sometimes you have to invest in yourself. A lot of people are scared to invest in themselves and take a course, which we teach courses now on our website, onforcostylashes.com. And we train people on all these things. But I went to a training course and I paid something astronomical. I paid way too much, honestly. But I said, you know what? This is what I want to do. So I paid for the course. I drove down to Brooklyn. I was there for like two days, took the course, and I started doing it immediately at my, in my garage. And then after that, I, which was only a few months later, I said, I need to get a store because I don't really want everybody in my house. You know, you don't want people in their spine. You know, we, we're from New York. You can't be having everybody in your house. So after that, I just started really just working on the business. And a lot of, one thing I want to mention too, a lot of entrepreneurs make that mistake of sometimes waiting for it to be perfect, waiting for it to be just right. No, as long as you have a general guideline and plan, you'll add and go on as you go. You'll add on more things as you develop, but at least get it started. Get the basics, the website, get that going before you quit your job. You know, just be a checklist. Website, business card, get some traction to see if people are liking it. Start doing it on the side first. I don't care if you got to sell it out of your card or like in the back in the, the 90s, they had the jackets that you open up and they would have all everything you needed. <laughs> and that was a businessman. That was a businessman. I got CDs, DVDs. And, you know, he would go to each salon. And I remember those guys when I was younger. And he had a business. He would walk off with $200 a day selling just something he shouldn't have probably been selling, some bootleg video. But that was his business model at the time. And it worked for him. So check it out first. And maybe that man went on to open up a DVD store. We don't know. But my point is that you have to always make sure it works first. Make sure your people are responding. You know, it might be something so odd where it might not work. But at least try and have a structured plan down. And make sure you do something that it has to bring you back money. My services, my business, people can only wear those for so long they have to come back. I, I look at the Swiffer mop and I think about how much money I waste getting those new pads. I'm hooked to them. But it's a great business model for them because you have to throw it away and you got to buy another one. Nails, we can only wear these. I need a fill now. I can only wear these for two weeks and I'm done. You know, so that's a good business model. A lot of times, you know, I have to say this with love. Please don't take this the wrong way. A lot of times people don't understand. Asian people are smart. They know, look, we're looking at them like, oh, you're doing our feet, our nails, poor thing. They're looking like, honey, I'm making $2,000 a day or more 
for a hundred thousand a year, I could do this, you know, and it's some of the best money they've ever made when they come from across the country. And my friends that are in the business have told me they've done so much. They would have never made this money in their original country. And there's a lot to be said about someone that's hungry. If you are not hungry, the entrepreneur life is not for you. If you are lazy, the entrepreneur life is not for you because this is not easy. The hustle is sold separately. People want to say, I'm the boss. I'm the, I'm the CEO. I'm the last person to say that because I know what that entails. I know the responsibility that it brings. Being the entrepreneur means I'm the janitor. I'm the marketer. I'm the website person in the beginning. I'm the person answering the phones. I'm the receptionist. I'm the cleaner. Like people get so shocked when they see me. They, you know, people, my reputation is really good. So people get shocked when they come in my store and they see me actually like working, scrubbing the floors. Cause you know, I, I've made my millions now, but I still work. I'm a workaholic. My first thing was working hard. My mom taught me work hard. She made me clean that house every freaking day. I was so tired of cleaning. My friends were like, we're not even going to call Felicia to come play because you know, she's in that house cleaning. They would like skip over me. I'm like, yeah, I'll come out around three o'clock and I, four o'clock would come. I still be cleaning. Even though my mom did that to me and I was really angry that she would do that to me. Sometimes I would just say, mom, why are you making us clean so much? Why? Like, why? Like this is OCD, like borderline crazy. But I look back and I didn't realize that my mom was making sure I wasn't spoiled. My mom was making sure that I understood to make my bed. My mom was not the mom to be making your bed. Some kids get moms make their beds for them. Mom's like, look, in real life, when you get out here, she would make me turn off lights. And I would come all the way back home and turn off a light because she was trying to teach me the value of a dollar. Those are the things that really resonated with me. And I do it to my kids to this day. You know, I don't, I'm not as hard as, as my mom, but I do still make them turn off the lights and I, <laughs> I make them clean. But it's important though, like to understand the value of like working and building something for yourself and having pride in your home. And just like, cause I even see this too, especially in New York, there are so many kids who like have these trust funds or just people who've never worked hard. And it shows, I actually have a friend who's dealing with this right now, someone that she's dating who might not work out because he is so disrespectful to service industry people. And she's like, no, absolutely. And I, that'd be a rule breaker for me too. Like, how dare you? How dare you? But, you know, stemming off of right, being humbled and actually like, staying focused on all those things. How did you stay laser focused and avoid basically being distracted and right funding your business and all this stuff in the beginning, right? And you had kids too. So it's probably so easy for you to fall into the like, I'm going to kick back and hang with hubby or I'm going to push this off for later. But how did you stay vigilant? Very good question. Because it's very hard if you're not serious about this business. That's how you, I can tell who's serious or not. The ones that are serious, the things that we do to stay focused, I will literally take a hiatus from Facebook for six months. I still do it to this day. I'll delete the apps. I'll delete Instagram. I'll delete TikTok. I'll disappear because I cannot afford to get caught up in the matrix, which is the web. I can't afford it. I'll be literally in there surfing around. And, oh, where did two hours go? And that could be two hours working on that business card. That could be two hours working on that business plan. That could be two hours working on it, finding a training that you want to do. You know, those are where your time should be valued. Time is money. If your time is being wasted, your money is being wasted. You will be on that rat wheel, and that's what I call it, the rat wheel of life. You know what a, rat, a hamster does? He goes in that wheel, and he's never going anywhere. And God forbid his little hand gets stuck, then you're really not going nowhere because you can't go as fast. And I use that analogy a lot because it's like the rat race that we're in. And I don't want to get deep on anyone that's listening, but I have to explain something right now. This life will pass you by if you do not take your career and this thing seriously. Like you have to be serious. Like this has got to be something that you wake up every day and feel like in your heart, like you got to wake up and do this. Like I got to wake up and work. Even if you just work on it for an hour a day, the minimum, you have to put effort because once you start working on it, your brain starts clicking and you start connecting the dots. Even if you just start Googling your industry, start seeing what other people are doing and how you can make it better. This business is not for the weak. It's not. There's so many days I wanted to quit, get frustrated to the point where I was like, why am I doing this? but I kept pushing through. I would do a lash and it would fall apart. It wouldn't turn out right. I would say, this is freaking suicide. Like literally, like the things that I'm literally using small pieces of hair to make a hundred dollars. Like this is unheard of, you know, at the time when it started. And then I had to learn the curves of the business. And then there was competition that would come. Then you, you can either get mad about competition or you can be even more competitive. I mean, look, they got Burger King and McDonald's. And then from there, as a business owner, I started realizing that this is the scary part that most people don't see down the road. When you have a business, most businesses have a time stamp and date of expiration of when that business is not going to be relevant anymore. 
It's not trendy anymore. And you have to prepare for that. And I was plotting and planning that the last business, I would only have probably 10 to 15 years, less than that. I only thought maybe I'd have 10 years to play with it. For some reason, it's still booming. But what I did, because I knew that, look at MySpace. No one even talks about MySpace anymore. We're now on to Facebook. Facebook is getting old now. Now they're trying to change that to Meta. Now we've got TikTok and IG that took over. So it's like each business has an expiration date and a lot of people don't realize that. So when you're hot and just like artists, they have an expiration date. We don't even know who, I'm not going to say any names. We don't know who Coolio is anymore. We don't know who Ace the Bass is anymore. We don't know who those names are anymore. I have no idea who that is. Exactly. See, see what I'm saying? If you're lucky, you're a J-Lo where you, and, or you're a Madonna where your name is going on and on and on. But they reinvent themselves. They constantly reinvent themselves. And that's what I want to get to. With your business, you constantly have to reinvent your business, pair it up with other brands. You got to do other things to keep it hot, which I've done. But also what you have to do, what worked for me, and I encourage anyone to do this, once you get a consistent flow of money going, at that point, you need to maybe diversify your portfolio. I started getting into real estate. I said, okay, let me take this 100000 and buy this home, put tenants in. And I started doing other ways to circumvent any issues that I would see that would come up in the future in case there was a dip. And then I started going into trainings and I started getting off of the beauty. I started still doing beauty in my time that I had down. I was buying homes. I was setting up Airbnbs. I was doing Toro. I opened up a cleaning company. I started doing other businesses that were simple to me. As long as you know the base model, website, business card, market, go out there and get someone to, you know, you pay for someone to help the operation. So I knew that was something that we needed to do to keep ourselves alive because now I make so much money with my Airbnb that my portfolio is different now. Yeah. It's so cool too, because even, you know, when you're talking about reinventing yourself and like being relevant, right. With the times you think about pivoting during the pandemic, that is one scenario, but then there's just the long-term like of just, again, like you said, businesses being relevant, like even Airbnb, we all use it now, but what's going to happen five years, 10 years from now, that's probably going to change too, which we can't even comprehend. Yeah. And that's why there's so many people that have different models. Like, okay, I'll just rent the house and not have, own it. But to me, I've always liked the model where I owned it first. And then you can get into products. Like say, for example, you have a business where you're doing some type of service, but why not turn that into a product? Like, for example, what we did is we were obviously, you had to come to me to do the lashes, but then we turned that into a product where we said, you know what, during the pandemic, a lot of people, everybody was scared. To, we didn't know anything about this coronavirus. So what we did is we were like, you know what? We have contactless lashes that we can provide. I invented this product called Magnetic Lash. I had trademarked and it boomed. I think I made $100,000 alone off that product, if not more. During the pandemic, at the time, I was in the process of buying a house. And the lady said, well, Felicia, I don't really think that we can get you approved for this house that was over a million dollars because no one's working right now. You know what I mean? We're not allowed per the governor. Beauty businesses are closed right now. I said, oh, don't worry. Look at my account. There's still money coming in there. She opened the account and she was so shocked to see all my transactions was still coming in because you have to sometimes change it, your model a little bit where you're now able to sell your products online. There was a lady in Brooklyn who did nails and she changed to now where she can do those press on nails and you can just buy them or even the ones where you just put the stickers on. But that's what I'm talking about. You need to have a tangible product that you can just make money while you sleep. Yeah. But I love that you also talk about pivoting and it not being a bad thing. Because I think when people talk about business, they're like, no, this is the only way and I have to stick with this and I can only do that. And then it's realistically like as life changes, it's okay to be different and to change up what you're doing. Like it doesn't mean that it's wrong. It just means that life is just ebbing and flowing. And so it's up to you whether you're going to like, your business is going to take a shit or you're actually going to like pivot with it and, and grow from that. And in this case, right, starting a real estate empire. That's right. And then from there, uh, the radio reached out to me. They're like, look, you have a reputation in the city. We really like you. We love your voice. Can you be our host of our quiet storm? That was an honor to me. And so now I do the radio show and I'm a host and there's my degree in broadcasting and journalism all coming back full circle and now working. And you know, I'm able to talk about my brand on there. I'm able to talk about my business every night on the show about what happened in our store, which makes the store more popular. So it just really all works itself out. My professor actually called me when she heard my voice on the radio, meanwhile, this is like 10 years. She heard my podcast, Beauty Boss Millionaire. She heard my radio show. She said, oh my God, you are, so, I'm so proud of you. You didn't forget broadcasting. You didn't forget journalism. I said, don't worry. I never was going to forget about it. It just wasn't the right timing. So remember, you can still go to college and do all those things 
some people are multi-talented, but just remember what your true passion is and don't leave that. Yeah. You do have a beautiful voice. I like wish I had your voice. It's like butter. It's so nice. But I mean, you're also an interesting person too, right? That takes a specific person to be a radio host, which is cool. But it's funny how regardless of the way that your life goes, all the pieces really fall into place as I need to. It came back to help you. You being a good speaker, you having a good reputation, like it all fell into place perfectly. And we forget even when it seems like it's not working that it is. Right. And one other thing I want to mention, if this is just for anyone that has maybe had a hard life or had a struggle or maybe had a parent that wasn't in the home or has some type of setback or maybe just, you know, maybe you dropped out of school or maybe you're just, you're in a relationship you shouldn't really be in. You, you know, you need to leave it. Let me tell you something. All those life experiences that you're going through and those hardships, like myself, it made me stronger. And I really hope that whatever you're going through, whatever it is, whoever's out there listening, that you take those experiences and it makes you stronger and it makes you fight harder for yourself. Because at the end of the day, there's a responsibility that you have to yourself to want greater for yourself, to want better, not to just work corporate and work someone else's dream. That's what we're doing. We're working other people's dream. At the end of the day, it's a paycheck, but it's not your dream. So find out what that dream is. Find out what makes you passionate. Find out what makes you tick, what makes you happy. It could be the silliest thing. It could be artwork, a silly smiley face. It could be inventing something. It could be something so small that you may overlook that that's a true gift. It usually is that. Like you think it has to be this whole grandiose thing and it's like, it's very simple. Yes. Where I live in Sarasota, there's this guy. He makes millions every year. He just takes these little pipes and he bends them into smiley faces and makes them into little artwork. And people buy them like crazy on every other street. They buy them and they're like $3,000, $1,000 for these little artworks. But he's found his niche and it's so amazing and it's people love it. So whatever it is that you do, you know, find out what you love to do and do it and work hard and don't give up on that dream. The vision that you set for yourself is going to determine where you go. You know, like you wanted to be a businesswoman, you wanted to be a millionaire and you kind of, you did it right. You didn't know how you were going to, but you had the idea and you ran with it. If you didn't think like that, it wouldn't have happened. Yes. And I also started doing math. I said, wait a minute. Okay. Sometimes you have to work what you want to make and then work it the equation backwards. Like I started doing a million. I said, okay, if I want a million, I got to do, you know, I got to have six stores divided by at least 250, blah, blah, blah. And then I set out to do that. Sometimes it's good to dream, which I always knew I wanted to live in Florida. And here we are in Florida. Yeah. It's beautiful, by the way. I'm so jealous being back in New York. I'm like. (laughs) Right. Meanwhile, I come from the snow, honey. Like we come from like hard times. And I just think about all the things I ever wanted. You know, my friends were going on vacations when I was younger. My mom was like, we don't have any money to go on vacation. So, you know, you're just going to have to stay at home. And all my friends would be like, oh, yeah, we had fun. And I was happy for them. I wasn't jealous. I was just like, well, I'm so glad you had fun. You know, maybe I'll be able to go next year, you know. And here I am now, you know, treating my family to vacations, buying homes for my family, buying cars for my... I've put family members to school. You know, now I'm the Oprah of my family, you know. (laughs) Sometimes God makes you the black sheep of your family, the one that doesn't want to cooperate for you to be the one to actually help and assist the other people. I've been through so much in my life. And a lot of times people ask me, you know, how come you're so passionate? How come you're so giving? And how come you're so motivated? Because when you've been through so much in your life and so many days where you cried and you don't understand, I mean, there's so many days I was in prayer at church, like, God, please help me. I already know if I don't try, this is going to be horrible, Lord. Like I would cry to God and I would say, Lord, please, if you just give me a chance, Lord, if you give me a thousand, I'll make it to 10,000. Lord, if you give me 10,000, I'll make it to a hundred thousand. I would do it. I said, Lord, if you give me a hundred thousand, one time this guy wrote me a check, an investor, my first investor ever. He gave me a check. He wrote a check for me for a hundred thousand. And I said, Lord, if this man gives me this check, which I didn't know if he was going to give it to me because he like came and inspected my store. He was looking through all my books. He'd asked me, did I ever had a loan before? I said, no. I always just did it myself and saved up my money. I never bought anything fancy. He's like, you never had a loan before? I said, no. He said, wow, you're impressive. He said, people would have usually crashed by now and they would have just went bankrupt with their business. You've been really responsible over money. I said, thank you. And then he wrote me out a check for a hundred thousand. And in the card that he wrote me, because it was a check, and it was, he had to give me, it to me in an envelope in a sealed card. He says, good luck, kiddo. I hope this makes you a million. And it was so funny that he wrote that because that's exactly what I told God. Sometimes you have to really speak those things that you want. I said, Lord, please, if you give me a hundred thousand, I promise I'll make this a million. I want to say that next year, I paid that man back early because he, he had like a term I had to pay him back within like five years. I paid him back within one year. 
open up three more stores with a hundred thousand. Wow. <laughs> End up making a million. Oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> but I love how you, right? You like spoke it into existence and then everything falls into place. People forget that you have to talk about these things or it's not real. Honestly. Talk about it with your friends, you know, talk about it with your family. They might not understand you at first. They might think you're crazy, but you have to almost in your mind, convince yourself so bad that you are going to be that person, that you're going to have that business, seeing yourself successful, that it manifests itself. It really happens. Like Bible even says it, you know, speak as not how you are, but how you want to be. You know, you have to almost speak those things into existence. Everybody knows every religion that I've ever have heard about has the same saying, you know, you have to to almost say it out of your lips, how you want it to be. And that's how it will be. If, If you think you're a loser, you're going to be a loser. If you think you're a winner, you're going to be a winner. And if you think you're the bomb boss, you're going to be a millionaire, you say it. You say it. Oh, yeah. I'm channeling Felicia vibes. Because no one else is going to believe. <laughs> no one else is going to, you know, that's why I don't get mad at Kanye. People hate Kanye. You know, I'm like, you know what? I ain't mad at Kanye because he got to tell himself he's the bomb. He, you got to love yourself like Kanye loves yourself. And you have to believe in yourself like Kanye believes. <laughs> yeah. And it's cool because like, you're proof of that working, you know, like making this whole crazy lifestyle from nothing. Right. And I remember, literally, let me just tell this one last thing. This is just a proof of, you know, some people get on these podcasts, they really not from the bottom. And it just drives me nuts because I could tell when people are from the bottom, honey. I'm from the bottom. Literally. I remember, this was so funny. I was in college and I stole my mom's car because she was like, I knew she was going to be sleeping all day. So I was like, okay, because she was sick, you know, she had fibromyalgia. And she would normally take, let me take the car to go to the grocery store, get some bread and come back. But she wouldn't let me take it to go to college. And I was like, mom, I can't really take the bus because the bus, you got to transfer downtown. You got to, by the time I get to the class, it's over. She didn't understand it. She's like, no, you're not taking my car because it was her only car. She didn't want me to crash it. So I remember I disobeyed her that day. I stole the car to go to college. I wasn't trying to be bad. I stole it. I went to college, parked it right up in the front, went in the class. I was like, this is so much easier. I can't wait to get my own money. I remember the stupid Dodge Omni that I was driving. Y'all know what a Dodge Omni is? You probably don't. And this wasn't even too long ago. It's just that we had an old car. This was in 2000. I'm driving a car from the 80s. Okay? So I'm driving this putt-putt car to get to college or whatever, trying to make myself successful. And I remember I was like, you know, this is so dumb. I got back home that day, dropped the keys off, whatever. She didn't even know I took the car. I told her later, but she didn't care. I said, I'm going to go to the dealership and I'm going to sit in a really expensive car that I can't afford. Like, let's get something that's so crazy. So I remember I sat in like a G-Wagon. I was like, this, in my head, I'm like, I don't even, the guy was like, so uh, you want to check this car? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want to check it out. So I get in the car, I sit in the G-Wagon. I'm like all excited. Like I'm shaking in the car like this, like, oh my God, oh my God. And so I'm like looking all around and, you know, for a moment, I just took a deep breath. I was like, you're going to have this one day. This is nothing. You're going to have it. Literally, not even years later, I ended up buying my first G-Wagon cash, bought the Bentley cash bought the cars I wanted cash, bought the house I wanted cash, no mortgage. Like this is stuff I dreamt about doing, you know, mind you, I come from a family. Nobody's ever had a mortgage before. Nobody, not my mother, not my father, not my sister, not my brother. But I just look back and sometimes don't be afraid to put yourself in those finer environments. It's okay. But you're like, I would literally go to the fancy hotel, you know, down in New York, you know, we go to the Plaza hotel and we go to all those places that we couldn't afford it. And we just go sit there and just taking that moment of wealth, taking that moment of being able to see yourself as a millionaire. And that's really what I talk about on the podcast on Beauty Boss Millionaire, how to make millions, because it is my goal and prayer for every person to be able to make millions. Why not? Millions is not even a lot of money to me anymore. I'm onto the B word now. I want to get there, you know, and I'm so proud of people like Rihanna, who's parlayed her career into something different. She's such an inspiration. She's done so many different things and she's killing it every single one. She really is. And everybody can do it. It's just sitting down, taking that moment. You seen Rihanna didn't give us an album yet, honey. Because she's focused on that makeup, that Fenty Beauty that we're all slapping on and sold out in every store. I can't even get my shade. But I'm proud of her because you have, sometimes have to take that moment, that hiatus to just work on you, work on your career. Yeah. Did you ever have a moment, I kind of want to get into this because a lot of my listeners are women, the difficulty in like your entrepreneurial journey and then having a family, like having to in my experience too, as a powerful woman, it's almost seen as bad to be kind of where you're at, right? Be this boss, babe, like be like, you almost scare off men. Did you ever have that moment during your journey of like, Ooh, this is too much. Or like, I'm thinking too big, or this is like a bad thing. Cause I know a lot of people who are listening, they're in relationships and they're like, I want to grow, but also these people around me maybe aren't allowing me, whether it's friends or in relationships too. Great question. 
because of my desperation of wanting to be successful, it never once crossed my mind that anyone was going to stop me. Nobody was going to stop me. Not even myself was going to stop me. I was going to work my behind off because I knew I had a superpower and I knew I could outwork anybody. When people are playing around at the club, dating, going on these multiple dates, going on vacations, I was working. And I was so accustomed to working anyways that I knew I could outwork anybody that stepped to me. And I knew I was gifted. I could look at something a few times and with my photographic memory, I knew that I could learn something really fast. And I'm not only that, but I was a good communicator. Some people, it drives me nuts when I see them trying to run a business. They can barely answer their phone or keep their phone on or they're changing their number every other month. You can't run a business like that, you know? And I knew I was consistent with a lot of things. When I was married and I was with my first husband, God bless, we're still good friends. We're high school sweethearts. He even said to me like, girl, you are like so determined because I just was like, this is going to work. This is going to work. It was to the point where even he felt a little intimidated. I don't think I ever did. I think he got more intimidated the fact that I was like bringing him more because he was making more money than me. And then I just started blowing up and I started making more money. But I was always real sweet because I went to church. I knew not to ever disrespect a man and make him feel less. And that should be for anyone. You shouldn't make anyone feel bad just because your money means nothing to God, number one. So I never, ever made anyone feel bad. But I think just seeing the amounts of money that I was bringing in, you know, 10000 a week in cash, you know, my first year in business made 100000 That was like winning the lottery back then, back in 08 and 09. But like I used that money and I kept on just multiplying it and multiplying it. But I knew that my husband was also a good person and that he would help me in anything that I wanted to do. And so it worked in that situation. But there are some women that I do understand that the men are intimidated by the power that they have because they see money as power because some people just see it like that. And that if that is you in that situation, you have to just tell yourself, you know, this is for the best for me. You should have at least one selfish bone in your body. And it's not even selfish. It's just that you have to do and make the right choices for your career. And it's not necessarily being selfish. It's not necessarily being, you know, like you're being this strong woman. It's just that you're doing what's right. Anyone else would do that. Any other human being or man would do that for their family. You have to do it for your family. You have to do it for yourself. You got to do it for your mama, for the ancestors. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's just typical for people to put themselves in a box because it's easier to please everyone around them instead of like actually shining bright. Yes. Yes. To parlay off the question you asked about the intimidation thing, what actually was intimidating for me that made me nervous was that when I would go into these business meetings, it'd be all men. When I would go in there and they would say, are you 100% owner of this company? And I would say, yes. And they, their minds would be blown. Making a million dollars and just you? Is it just you? Yes, yeah, just me. And then they would start almost doubting you. You know, well, who helped you start it? Was it your parents? And then at the time I was married to an Italian. So they just assumed I was horrible. They assumed that my husband had all the money and I was like his sugar baby. I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. Even to this day, you know, people come into my business and they see that I have doctors employed, you know, and I'm a black female. And the doctors are white, not that it matters, but, and they think he's the owner. They think the doctor that I employ is the owner. She's like, well, I want to speak to the owner. And I don't ever say, you know, I'm the owner. I just say, okay, well, let me just take down information and we'll, you know, handle that. It's just so funny how people just don't assume that I am the owner. And a lot of times with your business, they're not going to assume that you as a woman are the owner or you the person that owns 100% of your company. I don't know what it is about people. They just assume wrong, especially when you start doing more business deals. A lot of the men would be, I am to a divorce and I had to start dating all over again. And I remember I was in New York and I was dating this guy who was from Brooklyn. And I remember I was at my store to like one o'clock in the morning. He was like, all right, I'm going to go home now. I'm like, all right, you know, get home safe. I remember he turned around right before he left and he said, I got to tell you something. He said, you are stronger than me. I don't know how you do it. You have so much determination. But it wasn't that. It was just the fact that I had to be responsible over the business. And when you are truly a business owner, if you're a good one, you think about everything in advance. You have step A, B, and C figured out, or you're constantly just thinking on your business, planning it, what you can do next. Plotting and planning is what I always joke around. I masterminded. I, I literally took my mind and created how I wanted it to be, the services I wanted to add, the packages, the products. So my mind was always on business. And I remember thinking like, oh, I really liked him, but I don't think it's going to work out with him. <laughs> Because, you know, in life, that's what happens. Sometimes you think you're going to be with someone and then you realize that they might not be the right person for you. Yeah. Or you outgrow them. Honestly, if you change a lot and that person doesn't come along for the ride or want to do the same thing, it's hard to keep them around. 
Right. And I definitely, one of my biggest pet peeves, if you are around me, if you're lazy, we will not be together. We cannot. My husband works just as hard as me. I got remarried and my husband now is an entrepreneur just like me. It was hard in the beginning because I didn't date for a long time. I was single. I just, me going to church and that was it. And, you know, working on my business and there's times where I didn't even go to church. I'm like, I'm too busy to even go. I said, Lord, forgive me. I'm a heathen this week. But my husband came into my life. And when he came into my life, I knew it was my husband. When I was working, he was like right there with me working. He wasn't tired. The other guy would be like, I got to go. The husband was like, okay, what do we need to do? We, we're going to be here all night. And I was like, wow, you are my match. It wasn't just about the love. The love was there, but it was about assisting me. It was about helping me be the best woman I could be. It was about building up together. And that's really hard for a lot of married couples because there's a power struggle. And with us, there was no power struggle. And he had his own business. He'd have to work on it. I help him with his business. And now we, here we are, we combined our powers together and we're both millionaires. But we didn't start off like that. We were making a little bit of money here and there. We just would make really smart choices. We have a rule now. If you're a relationship, you're entrepreneurs or one of you guys are, one of you aren't, it's okay. Not everybody's going to be entrepreneurs, but as long as they can help you and assist you and make sure you have that quality time for love. You may make sure you, sometimes we have to turn off the bedroom conversation because we're both laying there like, did you check that unit out? Oh, when you get a chance to check that, we email each other all throughout the day. Did you look at that email? (laughs) We'll be right next to each other. And I know he can't handle what I'm going to talk to him about. So I'll send him an email because he'll be working on his document for his company. And I'll send him an email. So when you get a chance, check out the email and we'll be right next to each other. But that's just the way we operate. You know, it's the way that we've built up and, you know, it's a beautiful thing when you can find someone that's your soulmate and slash business partner, I guess you could say, you know, I never wanted to say that word business partner, but I've come to accept it that if you truly have a person that you love and you're in a relationship with and they're helping you in any way, shape or form, they're your business partner. Yeah. And plus, right. It's the right person because your vision is expanding. What you have planned is now even bigger than you could have imagined. Like I know you have a passion project and you have a lot of stuff going on with the business, but I'm assuming that he's part of this, right? He's the one who's contributing towards it too. It's not just you. He doesn't contribute financially because the business sustains itself. But when we buy real estate, I let him handle contracts and he looks over the, I look at the contracts too. I'm one of those people, you're never going to not look at a contract. I always got to look at a contract myself, but I'll let him look at it when he looks at it. And when he looks at it, he gives his final approval. But I look at it too. Cause like I catch stuff that even he doesn't catch. He catches stuff that I don't catch. And together we were good. And our lawyers catch whatever, like, you know, we just bought a construction company. The company was making like $7 million a year. And we're like, we got to get in on this. And so what we did is we looked over each term and went, it took me like two weeks to go through this paperwork and the lawyers took two weeks, but we went through each line. And I was like, wait a minute, this says this, let's, let's revise this. And we wrote every objection we had to the contract. Meanwhile, I don't really understand contracts. All I know is just just read each line by line. You'll figure it out. You'll figure out what doesn't sound right. You can look up stuff. Google has everything on there. YouTube has everything you can learn. So I don't want you to be intimidated. I'm not like some, I want to kind of be clear on this when I talk about these things. I'm just like a regular girl. Like I'm a regular New York girl. That's all who I am. And I just have a little bit of more determination than most people. And all I did was take all of my energy and all my time and trying to figure out stuff that I didn't know. If I don't know something, I even learned how to fix credit. And all I had to do was go on YouTube and watch about 10 videos and I figured it out. But it's that effort. Some people are just lazy. They're just going to be on 10 hours on Instagram or TikTok. But for me, when you want to know something bad enough, you'll learn. You'll take the time and you'll put it aside. And you know, I never thought I had an accountant. I never thought I have nannies in the house, people assisting me and helping me. I never thought I employ over... Now we have over 50 staff members. I didn't think I'd ever be here. You know, I didn't think I own a cleaning company, a real estate portfolio. All I knew was that I wanted to be successful and I needed to like work hard. That was it. And the rest comes. I remember sitting on a beach and I took a day off to relax. I was working real hard for like two months straight. And I had went in the water and I came back and dried off. And I was just on my phone. I was like, oh, I, I want to buy an apartment building. And my husband's like, oh, you do? He said, yeah, I'm going to go look on Zillow for a little bit. I went on Zillow and I looked and I found this apartment building. And I just said, you know what? Let me just hit the call button. And I didn't think anything would happen. I hit the call button on Zillow. The guy called me right back. I said, all right, can you come see it today at four o'clock? I'm like, all right, I'm at the beach. Can you do five o'clock? He said, yes. Okay, let's do five o'clock. I pulled up to the building, walked through it, and I put my bid in, which the bid was not really anything special. The guy, for some reason, must have been desperate for money. They gave me the building. I got the apartment building. I got, I freaking got the apartment building within like two weeks of that. And now the value of that building is doubled, almost tripled since then. So now I took the real estate and I can do a HELOC out, which is you get the equity line of credit, you get the cash from that, and you can use that as uh, money. 
So I don't want to be all deep with real estate, but... No, but I mean, it's great because everyone wants to get to that place anyway. Yeah. So so a lot of times it's just, you know, just constantly having your mind to a place of wanting things. Like, what if I was scared and didn't even want to press the call button? What if I just was like, oh, that'd be nice and just a dream and went back in the water or whatever. I literally pressed the call button. My husband said, oh my God, how did you do that? My, My husband laughs to this day because I always find every single deal any of our properties, I've always been the one to find it. But he's the one at the end that always executes it for me. He always executes it. Like, I'll say, look, we're getting this house. I think it's a good house. And he looks at it. He's like, this does look really good. He's like, wow, where'd you find this? But I'm the one who sees it. And then he just does the rest. And it's, it's like a home run for us. Yeah. Perfect partnership where you're both in balance and can provide basically like you balance each other, right? Yes, we do. We, we get on each other's nerves every now and then. But we do, for the most part, we have a really really loving relationship. And I I look at him and I'm just so grateful for him because I haven't been able to find a guy that was able to understand me and keep up with me. You know, a lot of guys, sometimes when they see a determined woman, they take you as arrogant or bossy or controlling, or they don't know how to handle us. They're maybe intimidated, but a true man that knows his power and that loves you and wants to see you grow and the vice versa, you know, they'll be there for you. They'll support you. They're going to assist and they're not intimidated by you. It's not a competition. It's, you know, you guys are a team. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone aspires to that. They really do. But it takes time, right? I'm sure you had to go through the dating pool and right, set some boundaries and be really clear in your communication in order for it to be like this. It doesn't come right out of nowhere. It takes love and effort. Yes. And I really talk about that a lot on Beauty Boss Million on our podcast. I talk about it just, you know, how to balance out relationships too with running a business and how to get to the money and not, you don't also want to become greedy. There should be a level of charity. Once you start making millions, you should be giving away. God has blessed you to be able to give away. And that's, I've always been a believer that we feed the homeless. You know, we go out on Saturdays and we make sandwiches, we make lunches out of my own pocket. We just, me and my kids go and we pass them out. And I want to teach my kids to be good people too, because they've gotten so accustomed to just counting my money. They're just like, all right, mommy, you made 10,000, you made a thousand. Like they just count my money out. And I'm like, all right, it's not about money. It's about what God has blessed you to be able to do with this money to help others. And I've always been really big on giving your 10% to whether it be a charity or whoever, whoever you can help that you know truly needs it, whether it be donating your time to the shelters or, because, you know, we, we can't forget about that. I know this is not exactly something that's, you know, a business conversation, but when you get to be at a level where you are blessed with more than enough, it's always good to give back. I have always believed God will bless your business when you give back. And that's what I've done all these years. I've always given back. And it's been a blessing because people are grateful too. All the stuff I've done to get this money, not everybody's going to be able to do that. When I go down to feed the homeless, some people have got missing arms and legs and, you know, things that they just get out of jail and they need to, they're trying to get themselves together. And I've never looked down on people like that. Even though I have a lot of money, I'll never look down because I'll never forget where I came from. I'll never forget those times where I was down. I was out. I remember me and my sister, when the Whoppers first came out, it came to $1.08. I remember it. We would go, we only had a dollar. We were like 12 or 13 and we would give the guy the dollar and we were like, can you please cut it in half so we both can share the sandwich? And I don't mean to get like emotional, but I remember those times where you didn't didn't have a lot, but take those moments where you went through traumatic things, whether it be someone in your past may have hurt you, a bad relationship, and use that as your power. I'll never forget how we used to, we couldn't even get a drink because we didn't have enough money for the soda. We just was like, all right, can we have a cup of ice water? The cup is five cents. Okay, we got five cents. You know, I remember those days. And we would split that sandwich and we eat it and we'd go home. And that was it for us. That was our after school snack. You know, now I would never eat Burger King. God bless me. <laughs> but you know, at the time, you got to do what you got to do. J-Lo had to have those dollar pizzas, you know. You got to do what you got to do at the time. So, you know, it just, those moments of the times where you want to cry and you want to give up and you're stressed and you're frustrated, you don't know how you're going to do it. Those are the times that God is making you to a, a powerful woman. You can use all that energy and you're going to fight back and you're going to put that passion into your business. Yeah. It's really remarkable what you can do when you like you power through those moments and the aha moment comes of like, oh my God, I leveled up or to get you to where you need to be. And I love there's a quote, you know, if you want to use God or the universe or whatever you're, you know, you're preaching to, but we're only given the challenges that we're given because it's meant for us. If you were not that strong, you wouldn't be given this challenge or this task or whatever at hand. That's right. And we talk a lot about that on the podcast and how to overcome these struggles. You know, I come from a broken family. According to statistics, I'm not supposed to even have what I have. I'm supposed to be in the welfare line right now, 
hoping to get maybe a, another stimulus check. You know, I don't believe in renting. I bought my first house when I was 21 because we rented my entire life. We rented. And I was like, I'm sick of moving. Every year we have to move. Every two years we were moving. So now I just buy. I don't. I determined in my head that at 21 I was going to buy my first home, and that's what I did. But it took all those traumatic things that happened in my earlier life for me to be really serious when I got to be in my you know teens. You know, to, I had to take my career a little bit more seriously, and so that's what I did. And and for most people, you know, they will take it and you can cry about it or you can make it into something of your own. Take those experiences and turn them into power. And I'm not taken away from the emotional part because this is very emotional. You know, when you go through things that hurt you, it's hard sometimes to recover and bounce back. But the trick is to be resilient. Be resilient in those life changes. Be resilient. when You might get fired for a reason from a job. You may quit. You may feel like you have to quit, but take that and use it towards something. I remember a friend of mine gotten fired and she was like, what am I going to do? I said, take this as a blessing. Take this as a chance to really reinvent yourself. What you want to do, not what you've been told to do this whole time. Like, you know, I'm the Harriet Tubman of corporate. I'm I'm always against corporate because you can only do so much there. It'll be good for a, a little time, but it, it can't be forever. It's just, you're just a number. You're just a number to these people. You tell them, yes, family member died. Next, you know, you're fired if you take a day too long. You're just a number. You're there to do work. And I get it because I'm an employer now, but I also understand that people still have lives outside of here. And it's so important that we follow our dreams. We follow the passion. We follow you know, what makes us happy. We always forget that. We just do it for the money sometimes, but do what makes you happy and watch how much money you'll make. Yeah, I know, right? It's actually really fun when you lean into your power and like what you're actually capable of doing. But I know you just sprinkled a ton of nuggets of gold. And what I usually do with every episode is ask, like, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? But I feel like you kind of answered it. So is there anything in addition that you want to add to that statement just for the younger people who are listening of something that they can do today to change their life for forever? Great question. So if I would talk to my younger self or just younger people in general that are trying to really come up in this world and they've had enough of just living corporate or just living the mediocre or just living in lack and poverty like I came from, I would definitely suggest the first thing you do is after you find what you're passionate about, start working on your credit and your business plan. Because, you know, like me, I didn't take out any money, but some people do take out money, but I wasn't in a position to do that. And make sure you can at least get yourself to a position where you can self-sustain yourself and you pay your basic bills and take that leap of faith. A lot of people, they so scared to jump off the diving board. As long as you have a business plan, you've got it all together and you've got somewhat of a plan and you have to be good with money. That's a big thing. I'm really good with money. And that's something that a lot of people are not good with. My little sister, she said, you know, I don't know how you save. I just, as soon as I get money, I just have to spend it. I said, you can't just be spending all of it. You got to at least put some away for savings and some you invested in something you can make more money with. Don't buy those designer bags at first. Wait a little bit. You know, I could have been bought my Chanel bag after my first year in business. I didn't care about a $2,000 Chanel bag. Chanel, it's not going to make me money. I knew to buy more product, more inventory, invest in more trainings, take more classes, go online, pay for courses. Some people are so scared to pay for a course that's $500, but they'll go on a vacation that's a thousand. I'm like, the vacation was good. It made you feel good that sometimes I get it, you need it. But there's times you're going to have to sacrifice for your career, for your business. So take that money. I, it's so tempting to want to be like these girls on the gram, Instagram and, and Facebook, and you see them all looking happy and they got their bag, they got the dog, they got the house. But are they really happy inside? What did they do to get that purse? They might be renting that purse. That might not be theirs. And you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, honey. We got to invest in the business. So put money aside out of your check to invest in your business. Put money aside out of everything that you're doing and make sure you are at least buying something. I don't buy things unless it makes me more money. That's serious. Like I literally will not buy something unless I know I can make a return off of it. That's my mind. My I even try to fix my mind to stop thinking that way and it just don't work. Like my brain is always like, can this make you money? Yes or no? I've even justified, like back in the day, I would never get my nails done. Now I'm like, this makes me money because I look good. <laughs> my husband's always laughs at me. <laughs> but you know, that's that's some, that's self-care. That's a different category. You have to take care of yourself, but you shouldn't be going. I know some girls that spend four or $500 on hair, on weave, on front lace wigs, everything else. Their, their nails are like $200 to get them done. They're like, I need that. I'm like, no, you didn't need that. You wanted that, but that did not progress your business. Be very wise with money if you're going to be an entrepreneur. 
Use that money to even invest in an accountant, some software to track your expenses. Another piece of advice I would give to anyone that's starting a business, start tracking your expenses, even if it's just start to track that amount of money. Keep statistics on everything. I cannot be in a store and I can predict how much money a store is going to make that week. I know on what day of the week, what we're going to make. I know when we have our big days, I know we have our little days. And then I know how to staff accordingly because I know I look at the reports. So I had to spend money on software to be able to follow the trends. So things like that are really important for people that are taking the entrepreneur journey seriously. And you always got to be watching everything. I didn't realize I was gifted in this area of being extra observant until I started to realize other people that had a business and failed because they're not being observant. You have to be an observant entrepreneur. Not only observant, but you got to be on top of everything. I look at some of my sister's phones or my friend's phones and I look at their contacts. They don't have names saved. I'm like, how do you run a bit? I can go on my phone and I have everybody's name saved. I didn't even know that was a gift. That's, that's a gift. Like some people just, just, oh, I don't have that. I save every single person's name. Something that small in case I need to connect with someone or I need to go through and get something or if I need, I can just go on my phone. Everything's organized. I'm a great communicator. Got to be a good communicator if you're going to be an entrepreneur and learning how to talk to people. So many entrepreneurs, they don't know how to talk to people. They talk all ruthless and reckless and think that they're better. I'm the business owner. I, I, I want you to do this now. Like really snotty. I'm like, girl, you better humble yourself. Because people pay attention to how you treat them. Nowadays, people are not going to let you. I'm from New York. They're not going to let you talk to me any kind of way. And you shouldn't be doing that. And entrepreneurs, sometimes when they get a little bit of success, they start doing that. And that's not the way to be. And it took for me to even learn in the beginning, you know, years and years, 12, 13 years in. But in the beginning, I, I had to learn. You know, I want to make sure I am really nice to everybody and to give them a good experience. So that's, those are definitely tips I would say are really important to learn. Be good with money. Know how to speak to people right save contacts, emails, follow up with people and make really good connections. LinkedIn, if you're on Facebook more than LinkedIn, you're not, you're playing around. LinkedIn is really a, a wealth of gold. I'm not on LinkedIn as much anymore, but there was times where I was heavily on LinkedIn. I paid for the subscription to go into contacts and meet up with people and, you know, doing things like that just to get a chance to meet, you know, someone that I really wanted to meet or an investor that I really thought was good. And they would, you know, New York said, all right, meet me on 34th Street and we'd meet up, you know, and even on the Wendy Williams show, you know, a lot of people always wondered, how are you always on the front row at the Wendy Williams show? You know, that was like a huge, I know things are different now in the studio, but I knew everybody by name. And secondly, literally would, my apartment was across the street and I got to know everyone so well by following up with emails. They would just call me, Felicia, are you over at your apartment today? Yeah, I'm here. Can you come down? We need some more people in the audience. Sit in the front. You know, one of the girls, bring your pretty girlfriends. And I would just go down. <laughs> and, it, and it would make me laugh because they would always call me just to be on the show or be a part of the audience or be on the show. And it was just, you have to be well-connected and follow up with people. Check on people. Check on those people. See how they're doing. Make good, solid connections because those are the people that are going to lift you up. Yeah. When the opportunity comes, they raise their hand for you. And it's amazing, honestly. And you're really good at that. And you are I actually am. really good. <laughs> yeah. Gabby, you got that in the bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but I learned that that was like my gift when I was younger. And I didn't know that that was a gift until I got into, you know, entrepreneurship, but it definitely helps. I have to ask this, Gabby. Are you, were you one of those Gabby kids in high school? And No, actually. Well. What? Yeah. I actually was like an anxiety ridden, pretty quiet kid. I was loud with my friends, but I was like pretty quiet. Even through college, I was like, freaking out. Cause I also, right. I didn't, I was on scholarship in college. My couldn't, my parents couldn't pay for my college. So it was like, if I don't make this work, like, so I was just hyper-focused, but the, the chattiness came out as I got more comfortable in my skin. It's definitely always been there, but it just, you know, my studies kind of took over. Yes. I was always chatty in, in high school and people always knew me just because look, look at my lips. I'm, I got big lips and I like to have fun and I laugh big. My, you see all 32 of my teeth when I laugh, but you know, and my personality was just so like obnoxious when I was younger. We had a lot of fun, but then there were times where, you know, you had to get all serious mode, you know, in corporate America, sometimes your personality really oh, can't shine. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Don't miss that at all. Not going back. <laughs> really going to try not to go back, but yeah, you're, you're not going to go back. You're not, you're not. Oh, I'm, Yes. <laughs> Keeping it as long as I can. But this has been so awesome. I know regardless of where people are in their entrepreneurial journey, whether they're even considering it or they've started that everything that you said is going to be really, really helpful. And again, now they have another badass person to look to who's done the thing that they're aspiring to. Um, 
So where can people find you? Like if they want to connect with you or they want to just like say, hey, this was a great episode or listen to your podcast, buy some lashes, get training. Yes. Yes. So we actually, you know, we're obviously on the podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, just type in beauty boss millionaire. Also where I'm on, I'm on Instagram, Felicia Fricasi, F-A-L-I-C-I-A, Fricasi, F-R-A-C-A-S-S-I. Um, also we have a website, FricassiLashes.com. So we have all the trainings on there. We have a lot of, we even provide financing now for people that want to do trainings, but they can't afford it, especially with the pandemic. It just, I had to really figure out a way to help people that they didn't have to spend a whole lot of money upfront because they didn't have it. You know, we can give you a payment plan and you can still learn with us. Yes. I want to create women entrepreneurs and I'm slowly working on a little school. So I got some interesting things coming up and you can listen to my radio show. Uh, it's on the quiet storm on 103.9 WDKX. I'm also working on a church. Can you believe that? I'm doing too much. I'm not surprised, <laughs> but it's another way of you giving back. So it suits your vision and your personality to do that. That's right. I just want I want everyone to be happy and I want people to have the best life they can have. Yeah, especially because you've been able to find your way out of the hardest, darkest, deepest place. People don't have an excuse because you've done it. You know, they can have the same thing. I, I appreciate you coming on, really. Thank you again. Oh, I do too. And I'm so glad you had me. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast. Visit corporatequitter.com for resources, extended content, and additional information about our guests. To connect with us, stay up to date on all things Corporate Quitter, and to learn more about how you can leave the nine to five, follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys.